So today we continue with week number two of this series that we've simply called Courageous. The courageous life, I would submit to you, was a reality of those early believers following Jesus' resurrection. We've already mentioned just that recent celebration of Easter. The courageous life was a reality for them in their walk of faith, and so too the courageous life has been and is our reality as we continue navigating some rather unprecedented times. You know, the many definitions seemingly that are offered and words that are offered to describe this term courageous, definitions like fearless and undaunted, to be brave, all kind of surrounding this word courageous, I think the one that resonates most for me personally is that of adventurous. When I think of courageous, I think of an adventure. And so I would submit to you this morning that as we talk about courageous, I want us to consider the adventurous life. Life is an adventure, right? And now, adventure can be defined in a number of ways. It can be positive and negative. It can be unforeseen and anticipated. But this courageous life, this theme that we are unpacking these several weeks, to me has to do with living a courageous and adventurous life. Last Sunday, we started our series off with the subject of calling. And in that theme of calling, really, to me, is at the core of this courageous life. Why press on if we're not called? I mean, if there's not a sense of calling, and if this life takes courage, if there's not a sense of calling, then why even press on with courage? We saw it last Sunday in the Old Testament, in Samuel's response. We saw it in the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah in his life, that their calling was really a commissioning. That when God made it clear that he was calling, it was not only for the purpose of calling, but it was this commissioning, this, this intended action that God had for them to fulfill. It was Samuel's response as he heard the Lord call him multiple times, mistakenly thinking it was his mentor, Eli, but in fact it was God himself, and his response simply then was one of, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. It was Isaiah in his vision in Isaiah chapter 6 when he saw surrounding the throne of God these angelic beings and the Lord calling out, who shall I send? And Isaiah as imperfect and maybe as feeling as incapable as he was, he says, here am I, send me. You see, Jesus' call and subsequent commission now back in the New Testament this call and subsequent commission of the disciples is recorded in the book of Acts, in Acts 1 and verse 8, when Jesus says this to the believers, he said that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. You will receive power, Jesus says, 
part of this calling on their lives. And you will be my witnesses. There's a calling. There is a commissioning as Jesus is sending out those believers no longer for him to be walking amongst men, but he was going back up to heaven and he was calling them to fulfill the mission, if you will. And it was going to take courage. The dramatic events of Acts chapters 1 and 2 set the tone for this completely new kind of community. And community just so happens to be our theme this morning. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray? God, we so thank you for the opportunity to connect in this space. We thank you, God, for the technology to connect so many others to us who are joining in right now virtually. God, we trust that your, as we know that your spirit has no bounds, your spirit's ability to work and to prompt us and to convict us according to your word, to challenge and invite us to a new part of relationship with you. God, it's, it knows no bounds. The Holy Spirit knows no bounds. And so, Lord, today, whether engaged here in person or engaged somewhere online, we're trusting you to speak and we're trusting you to stir within us in ways that only you can. Lord, as we gain better understanding this morning of this thing we know as community, we trust that you will be powerfully at work. God, not, don't only change our thinking as may be needed, but change our actions accordingly. And it's in Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. What do you think of when you hear this word community? And I would say more specifically, when you hear the word community in the context of the Christian or faith context, what do you think of when you think of the word community? To me, it's about sharing common experiences, about sharing common interests, about having common values. That's what comes to my mind when I think of community in the faith context. And that's essentially what we see present among the believers toward the end of the second chapter of Acts. And I want to invite you, if you have your scriptures, have your Bible or a device, and those joining in as well online, to turn to Acts chapter 2. And again, a rather familiar passage probably for many. If you've walked in faith for any period of time, you're going to recognize this description offered here, but it, it still stands central and core to our understanding of community. We're in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. It says that they, referring to the believers, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. 
And it says, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. A very powerful passage on community. Now, I'm also noting in the scriptures here on a very surface level that I don't understand how the print in the same Bible I've always used starts getting lighter and more difficult to read. I feel like in the last year I've just been kind of moving to have someone hold this in the front row for me pretty soon. I've got my contacts in, but they're not doing me justice on this. The fellowship of the believers is what this passage is oftentimes referred to. And we see many things at work here. We observe a number of dynamics and And I would say all of these things stemming from their devotion to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Now, even in those descriptions with breaking of bread, referring to both the sharing of a meal and sharing of of an important remembrance piece, which is the Lord's Supper, with something that we're going to take part in as we conclude our message time this morning. But we see a number of dynamics that are at work here, and I don't want us to overlook them. They all stem from these central things, devotion to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and prayer. You see, we, we see, and I'm just going to point these out and list them on the screen, we see that they gathered Obviously, there was a need for them to be gathered together in a same place, whether in the temple courts or within homes. We see this dynamic that they, were, that they grew together, that their spiritual lives were becoming meteor, if you will, that they were taking on this growth, that they, they grew. We see that they loved one another and how critical that was because Jesus had already told the disciples Earlier, he said that they will know you by your love that you have for one another. Another thing that I observe here is that they is simply that they encountered. They encountered what? Well, they encountered the miraculous things that the Spirit of God was doing in their midst. They had just come off of the experience of Pentecost. Another dynamic present here is that they simply shared. As those who had need, they shared what they had. They, in essence, responded to the needs around them, and they gave as anyone might have need. And I love really kind of this last dynamic. It's simply that they multiplied. That God blessed the gathering of this community and out of that gathering that they multiplied, the Lord added to their number daily. Friends, this is the essence of Christian community, if it were. This unique bond that we share as this body of Christ. The understanding that we are truly better together. Now, I know that that phrase gets thrown around on any number of ways, but it really is true. When it comes to this Christian, this faith community, we are better together. I wonder for you today, when and how have you experienced this reality that we are better together? That especially in this time, whether in person, and I don't want to cheapen for one moment, or online for some as needed and listening in today, that we are better 
together. And when have you experienced this reality? I know for me personally, some of that has come through our community group. Now, this Sunday night community group hasn't had as much opportunity to meet over the course of this last year, but we've gotten creative. Many times it's been online. There have been a couple opportunities of being, you know, in person, and we look forward to the return of that time. But just experiencing community together, opening the scriptures together and talking about the scriptures and what God is saying to us and really holding each other to what God's word says and supporting one another. I think about even in the various ministry groups within the church and uh, I think of our connection with the worship ministry and times where we've hosted the worship ministry are just some of the times that I have laughed the most at just, you know, just kind of crazy and nonsensical stuff because there's just something about laughter within a group as well and enjoying the company of one another. But there's also important and critical things that happen when we come together. We can support and we can encourage and we can pray for. We can know what is going on in each other's lives. The beauty of Christian community. You see, these forms of Christian community, sometimes organized, other th times I would suggest organic, they just seem to come out of, of no particular planning. They're essential to our lives. It is true. We are better together. We have a greater capacity together, a capacity to encourage and support one another. And if it ever is true, then it's true in this time when seemingly isolation has ruled the day for so long, we have to find creatively and create opportunities to connect with one another. Solomon emphasizes in his book this idea that we're better together he emphasizes in the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 4 and verse 9 I think that I put verse 7 on the presentation it's actually verse 9 that's where my eyes were failing me <laughs> nines look like sevens and in verse 9 Solomon says he says two are better than one because you have a good return on because they have a good return on their labor if either of them falls down one can help the other up but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up and then Solomon goes on to say he says though one may be overpowered two can defend themselves and oftentimes the next scripture is what we cite within a marriage covenant that a cord of three strands is not easily broken did the lights just blink Hope that's not going anywhere. It's, it's odd. It's awfully windy and stormy outside today. Would make sense, right? Two are better than one. We are better together. The fact is, we are and you are absolutely created for community. Created for community to be experienced with God through a relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ, much like even the community that exists within the Trinity of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is relationship and there is just this amazing community that happens within God Himself. But because we are created in the image of God, we are also created for community, first community with God. 
but also intended for community with others. Don't go life and faith alone. I would suggest to you that I think it's clear that we're at our best when we are living life in relationship. Living life in relationship. As I've mentioned, this courageous series is inspired by the lives of believers following Jesus' immediate resurrection. And it's because of Jesus' resurrection that later in Scripture, in Hebrews, we are granted full access to God. And the writer of Hebrews describes this. Turn with me, if you will, Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. Hebrews 10 and 19. And again, maybe a familiar passage for many, probably not most, and that's why we're into the Scripture. And don't let the familiarity cause you to overlook the importance and the powerful nature of this connect and this relationship that the writer of Hebrews describes. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19, as I hold my Bible further. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. From this text, from what the writer of Hebrews gives us, we get further insights into understanding this life in community. And it really comes with this statement, let us. Let us. It's an invitation to do these very things that are recorded in Scripture. Let us means that we are first, that we're pursuing an authentic relationship with God personally. And that within this community that we may find ourselves in, and I would suggest that while this is one form of community in a larger group, that the opportunity to know and be known by others can only happen in smaller circles, sometimes circles of two or three, sometimes circles of 10 or 12. Life and community means that we're pursuing an authentic relationship with God, drawing near to God with a sincere heart, as the writer says, holding unswervingly to the hope that we have in Christ. I'm sure you have found, as I have, that when I'm surrounded by other believers who are trying to walk a similar path, that sometimes when I might grow hopeless over the circumstances, when I might grow hopeless over what, what I see out ahead of me, that I can be reminded by, of that hope, by the hope that's being lived out in the lives of those around me. Life and community is pursuing an authentic relationship with God. But I think a, another key thing is mentioned here, and it really comes through that statement of spurring on one another. 
spurring on as we have even studied that phrase before in our teachings is really seen as a productive and purposeful provocation. I mean, it's a tongue twister. A productive and purposeful provocation. That's what it means to spur on. And so when I see life and community in this context, it's about provoking, and we might not typically use that word for this statement, but provoking one another to love and good deeds. Provoking so often seems as a negative, but I would suggest to you the true sense of spurring on is in a positive and purposeful kind of way that we are provoking one another to love and good needs. We are spurring one another on. We're challenging one another. We're providing this needed accountability that needs to happen in Christian community. We hold one another accountable because remember, we have these shared, uh, we share these common interests, these common experiences, these common values as fellow followers of Jesus Christ. We pursue an authentic relationship with God. Life and community means we provoke one another to love and good deeds. But I would suggest to you it's also about persisting in our gathering and encourage and encouragement of one another, of each other. Persisting in that, being committed to that, having a, a dogged determination to remain connected and to remain, remain connecting. That's not to take away whatsoever. If anyone who's watching online is saying, well, there's pastors kind of calling me out because I'm not connecting in person. You know what? In these times, we're doing what we need to do. But it's so essential that we have this dogged determination to remain connected and to remain connecting. Hopefully, by and large, it means for many that they can do that in person as we see the rollout of the vaccine and other hopefully positive indicators as we continue moving forward. We feel more freedoms that come with that, things that we so often and really historically took for granted in the last year have been greatly challenged. But we're persisting in the gathering of together. We're persisting in the encouragement of each other. It's so important I wonder, as I'm sure that many of you do, how will this pandemic ultimately shape our, our habits? And I think the jury is still out on that, right? We see indicators, we, we see kind of trends of certain things happening, but how will this whole pandemic experience ultimately shape our habits? My prayer and my hope within the context of Christian and faith community is that it draws us even closer. That we don't just kind of rush to the conveniences of, oh, well, hey, now I can just kind of do church in this way and I'll just show up whenever I feel like I want to show up. Do you realize that community is not just for the purpose of how it fills you, but community is the opportunity that we can also encourage and minister to one another? Sometimes you may not feel in your presence like, well, you know, I can probably take it or leave it on this particular day. But at the same time, how may God be wanting to use you to bless and to encourage somewhere, someone else? Friends, there is an other-mindedness that comes in this thing we know as 
community. As we pursue, as we provoke, in essence, one another, as we persist in this gathering and encouragement of one another. But I also understand the reality that it's, as we talk about community and a subject that's familiar for many, it's one thing to have the right information, right? But it's a different thing to have that information, to, in essence, see it in action, and even then have our own opportunity to kind of put our own expression or twist on this thing known as community. In our discipleship circles, you see on the screen there, we so often refer to this with the triangle as well, that it's one thing to have the information, but it's a very important thing that we also are imitating that, both seeing others who are practicing it, and we're practicing it ourselves. But then comes the beauty of innovation. Innovation is putting your own kind of stamp or your own perspective or spin on what doesn't have to be a formula, like do this, these three things, and you will experience quote-unquote community. No, it's take the important information, understand that it's essential, begin to imitate it in your own life, observe others who are doing that as well and acting upon it, and be open to considering how maybe you might innovate it in your own way. You might invite others to draw into community with you. So in light of that, I've asked someone within our church family, a, a longtime CCCOG church family member, if, if he would just share for a couple minutes about how community has looked for him and how he has uniquely sought out and experienced community. Lee Hoyam, Lee, I'm going to ask you to come up and uh, just share with us. You get to unmask right? Oh, Lee. <laughs> Lee said, I'll come up and share. Told me earlier, so I'll come and share. It means that I can also unmask while I'm sharing. It's like, absolutely. So Lee, share what's on your heart First today. First time I've been uh, unmasked here in church for some time. <laughs> but uh, no, I was thinking of, uh, of what pastor was sharing about community and how it can look so different for so many people. And I know for myself, and I'm sure this is probably true for all of us coming off of last year, you know, that getting together with other people just took on a whole new dimension and a power. Um, uh, but however, I need to say that I was blessed in that uh, about four years ago, I became a part of a board game group. And no, it's not a spiritual group, but it does have tremendous spiritual power, I think, in the way that God has used it. And it is a, um, just a, a collection of, of men who we started meeting. And, you know, at first I kind of thought, oh, this is cool. You know, we can go and we can play Risk and Monopoly. <laughs> no. This is a whole nother level. <laughs> but it has been so much fun to be part of this group of guys. Um, and I, I just wrote some notes to remind myself some things. <clears throat> but one of the things I've really enjoyed about it is just the diversity of the group. I mean, age, religious beliefs, occupation, education, interests. I mean, it's a very, very diverse group. And no, you don't have to be a nerd uh, to, be, to be part of it. Um, and there, I was talking to, I, actually I posted on our, our website or on Facebook, and, and some guys just made some comments, came back that I wanted to quote. And uh, uh, one young man who's 
you know, in his 30s, he said, you know, for me, the most attractive part of this group is that social stereotypes or stigmas don't matter. People from different walks of life and lifestyles gather together and forget about anything other than community. I feel very welcome, even if my age, beliefs, or life accolades don't line up with everyone else's. You guys are a great group of people. And, um, and I think that is what, how I have felt, is this thing has definitely grown. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, but it has become such an important part of not just my life, but the lives of many other people too, and that we all contribute to it. And then one last quote, and I thought this one was very powerful because it comes from the wife of one of the men uh, in our group. And she said, Oftentime, oftentimes in today's age, men have a fairly difficult time engaging with one another on a deep level. There's a pretty big value in being able to confide in a trusted brother, but without a mutually interesting activity involved, it rarely happens. Okay? This group is welcoming in its nature and puts men at ease and builds trusts and lasting friendships. And when that happens, people confide in one another. And I think that is one of the beauties that I've discovered is that, yeah, we need to play some board games. And yes, we are competitive. And we enjoy that. But the conversations that have come from this have been just a tremendous blessing. And those conversations encompass many different areas, but definitely spiritual areas and where men are coming from. And it has just been a tremendous opportunity for men just to come and to build a community and a relationship. And unfortunately, sometimes I think a lot of men don't have that. And uh, they have acquaintances, but not always really close friendships. And, you know, I am so blessed that through this group, um, you know, I probably have through it maybe four, five, six guys who are just very, very close brothers and become very, very close friends. And I am so grateful for that friendship and to get to know so many other guys, uh, old, young, just all different kinds of things. But it's been a tremendous community and uh, one I'm grateful for and one that I hope will continue. Let me keep you on mic for a second too, Lee, because I know that community is also represented just a variety of things for you, both in experiences in small groups uh, prior, um, experiences in ministry team. You're a part of the tech team. I yes. kind of point up there. That's their yes. domain up there, right? So that's <laughs> at times where Lee will be out with the team. The community that you experience, whether through acts of service, whether specifically gathering for um, a primary spiritual purpose, like within a small group or life group, and other ways that I know you've connected within the greater community, I think really speaks to on our subject that there are often times where we're, where we're gathering together, maybe in a small group, with specific um, spiritual focus and intent. And then there are other times where we're gathering to simply experience and do life together. It may seem like our gathering principle doesn't hold any particular weight, but it affords opportunities Absolutely. to support to encourage, to just know what's going on in each other's lives, to pray for one another, and just to come alongside. Yeah, and that's such a key part, too, because even for this, the, the prayer that has come out of this group, the fellowship that's come out of this group, the support has been, it's just like you said, it's, you know, that has all grown out of this. And Granted, so we don't see in Acts 2.42, right, that they pulled out the board game. It wasn't the fifth <laughs> dynamic, but they fellowshiped. 
and this is together. this is a form this of that. This is a fellowship group. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Give Lee a hand as he goes down today. You can take it with you. I think it's important, uh, especially in our time, to, to be challenged. How are we uniquely going to experience community? Um, there, sometimes we think that, okay, I'm going to wait until it's organized for me, i.e. the church. <laughs> I'm going to wait until something is organized for me, and then maybe I'll consider getting on board with it. Now, no pun intended on board, sorry. One of our core values that we describe as our C3 core is the word and is the action of engage. And so it is important for us as a church that we have physical and personal engagement. But friends, the intention is, is that that then just affords us with other opportunities. We see that imitated, we put that into practice, and then we begin to think about how might I innovate in that? How, how might I bring together a group of several who are interested in board games, and out of that have fellowship and encouragement, some real-life conversations that come out as simply the gathering principle of playing games. The reason I wanted Lee to share that today, maybe from a little different pocket of community, is so that we might think about, or maybe you might begin to think about, how might God be calling me to gather some around me? Sometimes we think, well, if I've got to have this in-depth biblical study for any gathering to take place, and I'm not suggesting that that isn't critically important for our growth together. But it's also important that we start somewhere and we experience community and out of that to trust that God will powerfully work. My challenge to leave us with today is about experiencing community in these unique times, to trust God to lead us and how we can ultimately act and live courageously. You know, as we draw our message time to a close, as we will take communion this morning, and as our theme and series simply says of courageous, we know that Jesus set the ultimate bar for acting courageously. He gave his life. He invites us into community with him through this sacrificial love, through the sacrifice of his own life, through the courage that he willingly carried out so that we might be invited into relationship, community with him, so that we might be a part of that commissioning as he sends out his believers, so that in the very act of communion today, that we receive Christ's invitation of community for all are invited at the table. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're invited in essence at this table, a figurative table today as we will take this in person. But I want to lead us in prayer and then I want to lead us in the taking of communion. So make sure that you're ready and those at home as well, you've got about a minute <laughs> to be ready. And we're going to share in this, community here, this communion here in a few moments. As Jesus, of course, took that bread and he broke it with the disciples and said, this is my body, take this in remembrance of me. And so too, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup represents the, the, my blood and this new covenant. So take this in remembrance of me. Before we do so today, would you just bow your heads with me as we pray? God, we thank you again for the invitation that comes from you 
as you, God, yourself, live in community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, so too you've called us to this powerful community of faith. Lord, we thank you for those who have gone before and for those who have gone way before us in the book of Acts to give us some modeling, to imitate for us what it means to be in community with one another and the very thing that you invite us into. God, we are, in fact, better together as we spur on and encourage one another. Lord, in these moments, might we examine our own hearts as your word says. God, anything that we may need to turn to, turn over to you, confess to you today as we receive in this symbolic act your body and your blood that was given for us so that we may have life, so that we may have community in you. God, we honor you in this way. We remember you in this way. In Jesus' name.